What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to the Main Stand Podcast. I am one of your hosts, Patrick, joined again today, as always, by my good friends, Josh and Mitchell. Yo, yo, yo. Hello. Episode We're, eight, boys. Yes, sir. Two more to ten, technically eleven, but <laughs> that's my fault. It's the Gerard episode. Precisely. Or the Chevy, or not Chevy, the Iniesta episode. Iniesta. There you go. Iniesta, the Iniesta episode, yeah. Doing really well. Uh, so we got a fun, fun-filled episode for you guys. Today we're going to chat about some real recent uh, breaking football news. It happened uh, just today, day of recording, which is uh, October 7th on a Thursday. Uh, Newcastle was bought by the an ownership group in Saudi Arabia. Uh, the public investment fund, uh, $415 million is what the team was sold for. Um, that's a lot of money. Some, some coins. Yeah. Um, so initial thoughts, everybody, uh, what do we, what do we think about it? The public investment fund is like the most generic name for a front of any business. It sounds, it it sounds like the title of the guy that sends you the email that says he just came across like $500 million and he needs to wire you the money. Like, I don't know if you've ever gotten those kinds of spam emails, but you know, it's not a, it's not a very reputable looking business name for sure. I think they went on Google and used like predictive search to be like, what would Americans think is like a good name for an investment company? And that's what came up. (laughs) And that is, that is it. Yeah. 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 That sounds good. No, it's a lot of money. I think, um, I think how long has this been up in the air? It's been a few years now, few years and three, four years, probably it's been. So, I mean, do I think it's, (laughs) do I think it's like the best for the premier league bringing somebody into the ownership group that has now kind of taken over financial control. Um, I think it's good for the Newcastle fans, the supporters, as you know, they don't have any question marks anymore about ownership. It's not up in limbo. There's some financial backing now. So they've got to be excited. But I mean, for, for everybody else looking in, it's like, whoa, whoa, whoa. What do we got going on here? Yeah, what the fuck are you guys doing over there, huh? What's what's all this happening right now? You guys just like footy over at this investment firm or what? Yeah, they like something over at that investment firm. Uh, I'm, you know, as a supporter of a club who has got in the uh, oil club banter for quite some time, uh, I am interested to see how they go about their spending, uh, what FFP looks like over the next couple of years in regards to how they decide to build the team. And then uh, ultimately how it all kind of comes together. You know, it took uh, Chelsea two years under Roman after he came in and did their takeover to win a Premier League title. Uh, it took City four after Mansoor came in and, you know, financially took over that, that club. So I'm interested to see their trajectory just with, they just have so much more money being injected into the club than any 
team we have seen in this like era of uh, more or less like buying your your clubs. Uh, it's it's just really interesting, I guess, to me to see, or I guess I am interested in seeing yeah. uh, what their trajectory looks like. I yeah, think they have a- to take it slow to to remove the suspicion. Like if you just start coming in and yeah, I'll take I'll take Mbappe and I'll take I'll take Holland and uh you know we'll 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 persuade Neymar in too. We'll bring we'll bring in three huge guys up top. Like you can't do that. I would hope. I mean, if they have the money to do it, I hope somebody steps up and says, whoa, whoa, whoa. Nobody else can do that. You have $400 billion. Relax. Um, Josh, what were you going to say? Yeah, I think there's a million different ways to take this. And, you know, some are good and some are not so good. Uh, I think it's less about taking it slow because of financial fair play, because there's been rumors about that kind of being done with here probably in the next coming years, especially after the, the window PSG just had this summer, <laughs> uh, basically just defies all FFP rules. So we'll see if that even sticks around. The thing I see them running into is like getting that first player to sign. <laughs> like Robinho is that guy from Man City. And he even jokes that like, he didn't know he was going to Man City. He thought there was only one team in Manchester and it was United. Right. He, he's made that joke before. And like, it kind of reminds you of like late, the Lake. Yeah. It kind of reminds me of the Lakers and free agency, like right when Kobe left. Like the Lakers were really bad, but Lakers fans thought they were getting someone huge every season mm-hmm. because they had the money to spend. And that's like not always the case of like someone like Neymar just like wanting to come to, right. to make that leap to a club who hasn't really been at the top of England in 25 years really since um, Shearer left, it's it's kind of hard to just like leave PSG or leave a big club to go to a project at Newcastle, even if it has good chances of being like Man City in five or 10 years. It's just a really big ask, especially for a player at the peak of their powers. I, I yeah. think I think the big difference though, between like uh, uh, between a side like Newcastle and a side like City, is that Newcastle has seen that success. They were a big name club and they had that established, you know, okay, we're at the top We're we are a competitive team in the top league in England. Have they fallen off over the last 20 years? Like Josh said, absolutely. We haven't seen them compete for jack shit, but you back a club with that much money that has a strong fan base and that has been there. Unlike city, I think it gives you that little incentive, that little drive, especially from the fan base to say, okay, let's go, let's go do the thing as fast as possible. And I think, I think that's kind of where we're at is, you know, where this is so fresh, everybody is jumping to, we have a blank checkbook carte blanche, just go buy somebody and make us better. And I don't think that's going to happen. No, I think it's going to be really tough to sell a lot of like big, big name players um, on this project. I don't think they're going to sign any of these like really young stud guys. I also don't think they're going to sign like 
a superstar at like the peak of his prowess either. I, th- I think their marquee signing, they're like their Rubinho is going to be a, a guy who's like either a want away superstar or like was world-class a year or two ago, still a good player, but maybe not necessarily like at the peak of their powers, uh, so to speak. And for me, uh, I think a guy who really fits the bill, and this is going to be my like funny prediction for who I could see as, as Newcastle being or making that first signing, uh, Raheem Sterling. Ooh, that's I a could, good like, one. That's really, a good one. really see that happening. He hasn't agreed to a new city deal yet. He wants the high wages. He'll still fetch a transfer fee because he, he's English. He's like, in his mid to late twenties, he's not a bad player, but like at the same time, he's not really a starting option at city anymore. Why not jump ship and, and head up this fresh new project at Newcastle. Uh, to me, it makes a ton of sense for Sterling to end up being Newcastle's guy next summer. What a, what a career that would be for Sterling. If he you know, starting his career at Liverpool goes on to city and wins a bunch of titles and then resurrects Newcastle. That'd be crazy. What a, a storyline. I would only wish him the best. I, I think he would help them a lot too, personally, you know, when he can get a run of games under his feet, play with a real striker in his preferred position. I, I think he would do yeah. well for them. Uh, it, it just feels like it makes a lot of sense to me personally. So my, I guess, Robinho for, for Newcastle, I, I mentioned it earlier in the text chain. I think it's Philippe Coutinho. He's flirted with coming back to the Premier League for a few years now with Arsenal and Tottenham. No one's really bought. Uh, Barcelona are going to sell him for pennies on the dollar. And he's a creator that has Premier League prowess and experience that can go in and make an immediate impact in a Newcastle team. Yeah. I have one question just to stir the pot and be that guy. Mo Salah's contract isn't. Can you imagine? No, no, no. I saw a tweet about this earlier. Not entertaining. Newcastle throws the book at him. They offer him like 600,000 a week and they give you guys like 150 million. You take it. I know you Liverpool would sell him. They put 150 million on the table and get Salah to agree to personal terms. That would be crazy, dude. I'm here for it. I'm behind it. Salah to Newcastle. Salah to Newcastle. Let's go. I would cry my eyes. He is in that conversation of a top player, world-class, worth a lot of money, maybe on the back end of his prime. If, if he wants to chase the bag, that's going to be the way to do it. I would love to see Newcastle throw the fucking bag at Sala. I don't think um, Sala's a bad guy, though. I don't either, but I mean, I had to put his name in the conversation. And like, as much as it like sucks to think that's even remotely a possibility, that is a very real possibility now with somebody with that much power coming in financially. If they get maybe one or two pieces in the winter, come summertime, they could move to get that worldly of a player. And I, I think anybody with that amount of money is going to be looking at any of the top six forwards in the world and saying, which one is the most realistic one that I can pursue 
and solidify a signing for. Yeah, and what I was going to add after that, Mitch, is when we're talking about Liverpool and this whole ordeal is the club's owned by Americans, so the Henrys and right. the Blazers. Where are they going to be in 10 years as a result of this? If they uh, sell Mo. No, just, in just general. as a result of the Newcastle takeover, you have two teams owned by oil money. Three. Uh, one of the richer owners, even though Arsenal fans love to say he doesn't really put money into the club. You have three oil I mean, money teams. Thank you very I, much. I mean, Liverpool is oil money. Liverpool That's isn't Russian oil. oil. <laughs> Liverpool isn't oil money. I, I don't see FSG still as the ownership group in 10 years. I, I really don't with the amount of pressure that fans are putting on Liverpool's front office. But I, I mean, I can't say they're entirely correct in, in that like FSG hasn't done anything for the club. Like have they gone out and spent loads and loads of money on players? I mean, Virgil and Allison aside, they haven't done that. They haven't dropped tons of money on talent. They, they solidified, you know, Jurgen as our manager. They've made incredible upgrades to the grounds, the training facilities, the, the infrastructure of LFC is really where their focus has been. And I think they're doing it a lot like they are with Fenway Park in building up the bones of the history of the club. They're trying to do it the right way without, you know, detracting from what Anfield is as a whole. And I think that gets overlooked a lot from Liverpool fans. I I get that it's hard to understand how they feel being in Liverpool, being in the city, having that direct attachment to the club. But from the American side of things and how we understand the game of soccer and being a Red Sox fan and knowing the Henry family for, you know, a couple decades now, just having, having that familiar face, knowing what they're doing. Is it frustrating? Yes. Cause they do the same shit with the Red Sox. It's like you have all this money and you don't want to do anything with it. It feels stagnant, but from the business of a soccer club, I think you know, what they're doing to try and put Liverpool in that, in that top tier club level without that oil money has to be, has to be, you know, looked at and, and commended. Yeah. I'm more scared of when Jurgen leaves. I mean, we have a, I am a diamond in the rough with Jurgen Klopp uh, is how he's able to build the squad with kind of budget players. When you look at even the superstars that are stars now were $30 million signings a few years ago. And I'm not sure there's many managers or sporting directors in the world that we can hire that are going to do the same job as him, which is where my concern comes in with FSG because in reality, they haven't spent much on players. I'm not one to complain about transfers too much. Uh, I'm more concerned about the solid deal. If they give him a contract or not, that will upset me if they don't. Um, but after Klopp leaves, I think FSG is in a world of trouble, especially with this whole Newcastle thing happening. And, you know, they're going to be making signings left and right here in the next few years. I guess yeah. also I have, I have two other points. Another one that's negative is that our, like, is the Premier League and like all of the fans of Premier League teams just going to not kind of like look past the ethics of this deal 
I don't want to be like the negative Nancy here, but you know, they spent a year or two just trying to kind of settle the details of, okay, the public investment fund is not the country of Saudi Arabia. Like the entire country is running Newcastle. And then on top of that, you know, I don't want to get into politics too much, but Saudi Arabia, uh, they're not the best when it comes to like rights and stuff like that. Are, are we going to just let um, these ownership groups come in and buy teams left and right? Or what are your guys' thoughts on that? I think if it's taken this long to get a deal inked, like obviously people are looking at that and it's, it's a question that's come up. Um, and I think only time will tell if it's, if it's a, a logical move or a good move for Newcastle, for the league as a whole or soccer in general. Um, I, I mean, money talks at the end of the day, it is a business. Um, and if somebody is willing to put that much money on the line, power to them uh uh, first i would probably pay off my fucking student loans but hey you know instead let's just go out and buy a premier league club and take them to the top and you know i i can't i don't want to really speak on the rights and activism like whatever is going on in saudi arabia is what's going on at the like the businesses held in england it's 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 soccer you know it's a it's a global game and and there's a massive amount of eyes on on them so if they slip up they slip up it's gonna it's not gonna just like go to the wayside yep i I guess the one positive point i had and this is my last kind of thing on this is that i am happy for newcastle fans i think this is a better project than man city was 10 years ago as mitch said they've had the history a little bit more St. James Park is going to be a popping ground if they put a little bit of investment into it. Mm-hmm. Build one of those stands up a little bit more. That's going to be a cracking atmosphere there. Oh, yeah. And they have some dedicated fans that yeah. honestly kind of deserve it. Mike Ashley was an absolute knobhead as an owner. Uh, put the club up for sale multiple times and just treated their fans, you know, so poorly that, uh, you know, it's hard to not be happy for Newcastle supporters today. Yeah, except for that one guy at four play. <laughs> Always. Uh, yeah, I'm excited. I, I am genuinely very excited. I, I think it's cool to have this new team that can do God knows what uh, coming back into the Premier League. Um, outside of ownership in the Prem, uh, let's talk about what – Felt like so far, probably the best fixture I've seen all season, or at least one of the best fixtures uh, we've had all season, and that was Liverpool and City over the weekend here. Um, it felt like a championship game. It really did. One of the top three Liverpool-Man City matches, in my opinion. Uh, yeah, that I, was a, a phenomenal game of football. I, I was fortunate enough to actually sit down and watch it with Pat. Yeah, and I through through my incessant, you know, just jawing. I I had to, you know, realize that for the first, I would say, twenty minutes of the game, while Liverpool was mostly in control, City was still making them look sloppy, 
And then when City took control for the rest of the first half there, Liverpool was still making them look sloppy. And I think that's a huge testament to how good these clubs are. You know, this draw was far more intense, far more technical than our draw with Brentford. Brentford was just slugging bro, like slugging blows left and right for 90 minutes. This was a technical battle that was worthy of the, the match of the season. It was, it, it is, I think it speaks volumes to how good these sides are to make them, to make each other look that bad in those moments. And then to be able to recover and have that, that um, close of a match. It was, it was a lot of fun. Yeah. The first half was pretty tough as, as a Liverpool fan, you know, in all honesty, they, the Reds got battered a little bit. I mean, it got real sloppy there. Phil Foden was having a day against James Milner. And I felt bad for Milner a little bit just because, you know, that's not his natural position. And that's a tough ass to go against Foden when you're an aging, you know, Foden was eating him up. It's it's a tough ask. I mean, that's that's tough for like a good defender. Yeah, exactly. And James Milner isn't a defender. He doesn't like playing there. And I kind of felt bad that he was just getting exploited by Foden. I mean, it wasn't pretty. And you know, we were lucky to go into halftime uh, nil-nil. I thought Allison played a huge part in the first half, too. We made a couple really big saves. That one Foden tried to dink over, made a big save there. Yeah, that was a big, big uh, save. But, yeah, I mean, it was a tale of two halves because the second half was just one of the best halves of football. Oh, it was so back watch. and forth. Um, I have to say, Mohamed Salah, what a fucking player, man. What a player. Before I, I start, you know, singing my praises for, for my guys, uh, Sala was fucking amazing in that game. He was so, so, so good. His goal was phenomenal. Uh, I, I, don't, I don't know how they could have defended it, but I just don't think that was a case of poor defending. That was a, just a case of really really good skill from sala and then to finish the way he did too from that angle uh can't say good enough things about his goal by the way yeah it was his weak foot it was a great finish um the the footing on you know just getting past bernardo that little flick he did was yeah phenomenal that was just a really good piece of skill uh i I tip my cap to you muhammad sala that was a great great goal um now Let's talk about the real star of the show in Philip Walter Foden. Uh, I just thought he Jesus. That's the most English name of oh all my god, time. so English. He well, I thought he was great. Uh, he was my man of the match for for City. I think overall the man of the match was probably Mohamed Salah. I think he was probably the best player on the pitch in that draw. But uh, for City, Foden was phenomenal. He he was so good. Josh, I see you just have Phil Foden, comma wow in the in the yeah. show notes and i, I he think was that brilliant was i mean you can't so you can't good. say enough about him that finish with his left foot was just a rocket the no look finish it was a no look finish if you see it i think that's funny it's like become his trademark is no look yeah. passes and, and finishes and, and stuff it's great to see a player like foden who is homegrown to kind of show up when de bruyne can't Oh, he was bad. Like, De Bruyne was for, bad. For the first 80 minutes, De Bruyne was dog shit. He, he was not. He did well not off have the pace. outing. 
And I think it, I think it may, it has to make city fans a lot more comfortable when, you know, your best player is going to have those bad days when the players around him pick, pick it up. And Phil Foden went and did that like very, very easily. I, I honestly think the man of the match for me was Foden over Mo um, just, just based on the defensive side of things that he was doing in the midfield and how much carnage he was causing. Um, he was, I, I think if Trent's in the game, it's a little bit more difficult to, for him to produce like that. I but think he does the same to Trent as he does Milner. I, I just think Trent has the acumen to handle it better than Milner does um, more pace and he's going to go in and make smarter challenges. I, I think Milner was very lucky to get away with without a red card. Um, no. But I, I mean, I still think Foden is, is class and, and he was my man of the match for sure. So mm-hmm. firstly, the game would be different with Alexander Arnold because if Trent's pushing up, you know, on the right-hand side, Foden's going to have to do a little bit more defending. So the game plays out differently if Trent's in, but I agree with Pat they're, Milner and Trent are about equally aside from pace defensively. Yes. Yes. Um, yeah. And, and yeah, I, I do agree with that too. I think Trent in there definitely is a different game. Cause you take a different shape and yeah. Yeah. It, it definitely is a different game with Trent in the side versus Milner. Um, I still think it's going to end up two, two, three, three, even if Trent's in that side, I mean, there's probably just yeah. the way, the way that game worked, um, and just the the back and forth was i mean you can't you can't nobody's going to win a game like that it felt like it's just going to be goal after goal after goal until you know yeah i, I could have watched another 90 minutes of that personally that, that was a great game yeah and i, I want to give my two cents about mo sala because we we've said it on here before we've talked about him enough but i mean man if he's not the world's best right now, he's sure at the very top of that list. And it's not just the goal he scores, which is so eerily similar to the one he scored against Tottenham a couple of years ago. Uh, it's also the assist on the Mane goal. Yep. Um, you know, Cancelo played well the whole game, and then Mo sent him for a hot dog on that goal. I mean, that turn, it, he did it to da- He did the same thing to David Luiz a couple of years ago against Arsenal. But Cancelo is kind of a, a much more proper defender. And to do that and make him look that silly was just a, a piece of skill. And then his just positional awareness to kind of cut inside and let Mane run in behind. And the pass is just has the perfect amount of weight on it for Mane mm-hmm. to go in and finish. I mean, that's the thing. It's when, you know, Sal is such a good all around player. A lot of people kind of misinterpret his skill set as just being a scorer or someone who takes penalties and, you know, scores easy goals. He is a proper player that is good all around the pitch. And I just, I'm not sure he gets the respect he deserves when it comes to pundits and uh, fans around the world who, who might favor players like Neymar and Mbappe, um, players of that nature. Yeah, I, th- I think right now it's really hard to see, especially just if you're thinking about form someone better than Sala, like maybe a guy like Lewandowski, maybe a guy like Holland when he's like fit and playing or like Mbappe is probably in the discussion too, but like your, your Messi and your Ronaldo are kind of starting to fall off the pace uh, just, you know, with age and everything like that, you know, 
form is temporary class is permanent kind of thing no one's going to say Ronaldo and Messi are bad players but like just like on form and with the pace and how things are operating I don't think it's a stretch to say that like at the moment Salah is the best player in the world I think Messi is the only other player on the world who could score a goal like he did yep 100% agree with that take yeah um and my last kind of take on this, I have a, a medium to well done take. It's it's not quite hot yet. Um, it's that Liverpool Man City is the best fixture in the world right now. Uh, I've felt that way since uh, like 2017. Really? That that long ago? Yeah. I mean, even that season, like when you guys were, were beating the hell out of us, the games were still good. Like it was what, four, three. Yeah, that season it was a five nil a 4-3, and then the Champions League tie. And then 18-19, there was the nil-nil that despite being a goalless draw was two of – it's like one of the most like tactically sound games of football. Is that the one Mares just, hit the penalty yeah, over the, the, the bar? penalty game, yeah. yeah. There was just so much back and forth that whole game. Like the adjustments between the two managers, just it, it was like two sides that really respect each other that game. And then the 2-1 at the Etihad in the same season was like – one of the best games of football like we have ever seen uh last season was like kind of an anomaly i think just because with the no fans and and everything like that you can see that with fans at anfield it was a totally different game oh excuse me mcdonald's sprite just kind (laughs) of came straight up my chest there and then and then this game was just like a perfect example of that uh yeah no i agree 100 i think think it kind of dipped like Last year without fans, there was kind of like a, a little bit of a lull, especially with Chelsea winning the Champions League too. I feel like where people came in this year saying, oh, Liverpool Man City might not be what it used to be. And man, they looked like Ollie and Foreman like in the ring, just like throwing blows against each other, like two heavyweights at the peak of their powers. And it was it was right. awesome to see that rivalry is like still there. And like, I think Liverpool Man City is still going to be the biggest fixture in world football for like, the next few years to come as long as Klopp and Guardiola are there. Yeah, let's let's hope so. And then I, I will – I think it's funny to note that we're sitting here talking about, you know, best fixture in the world, and, you know, throwing blows, two legendary – you know, making the comparison to two legendary fighters. And you look at the Premier League table and, like, Chelsea are still just, like, sitting yeah. there. Which is funny – which is, it's just funny to, to see that. But, but, um, but it's but it's clear in how the sides – operate you know what i mean it's just with with those two sides you know you're going to get a great game right eric and klopp and pep are are two of the best managers in the world if not top three two of the top three managers in the world right now and to have them both in the same league commandeering teams that have both won the league in the last three years it it speaks volumes Mm-hmm. and and i mean i just i get excited it's it's like it's like christmas morning like you don't want this fixture to be this early in the season even though it's week seven eight you know it's hard to believe we're already this deep in but it it feels like this should be a boxing day match this should be this should be like prime time you do this mid-season and end of the season and that's it yeah i totally agree uh so after that that was really it for the weekend wasn't it i mean yeah it was kind of the highlight that we wanted to talk about anyway united dropping points to the ev 
Right, right. Yeah, yep. that's true. That's true. Ronaldo not scoring. You can go back and hear me talk about how I would, you know, never think Ronaldo. It's just tough to see Ronaldo not scoring. Well, uh, to fuck me, I guess, because he didn't. <laughs> um, Chelsea trounced Southampton. Yeah, I, there, I just didn't feel like there was a ton to talk about this uh, this weekend. I mean, everything no. was pretty cut and dry in the Premier League, yeah. at least. Yeah, I mean, Brentford with a with another win over West Ham is really that was actually yeah that was a huge win, especially away from home too. Yeah, that was. Why do like Brentford is just forcing people to talk about them? Um, Ivan Tony is a force to be reckoned with, and I think he ends up being the prolific goal scorer at Newcastle. Just kidding. I'm sorry. So, so Just not kidding. to take anything away from what Brentford did, but this is my whole point at the beginning of the season with West Ham and Leicester. I think they're going to have actually down years because they have to go play in Europa League like every Thursday, and then they have tired legs for the weekend. And that's like the perfect example of them losing a game they should have won easily at home. Yeah. That so feels like about it. Um, so, you know, Outside of club football, uh, we've got a tiddly bit of uh, international to talk about. Um, personally, I kind of hate the international break. Um, Sucks. But there, there's a couple of things to talk about here. We've got the Nations League. We've got some World Cup qualifiers going on. Uh, the USA plays Jamaica tonight, so get ready for me to complain next week when we lose. What channel is that on? Oh God! Paramount. I don't know. ESPN it's on whatever. Hulu has live TV. Tells me that Ooh. it's on. I'll I'll get you. Um, to chat Nations League though. Uh, one I I do just want to say, entertaining tournament. I like don't hate that it exists. Me either. I hate the group stage games. The semifinal and the final are cool. It yeah. just adds so many games that just don't need to be played. Well, yes, that's that's true. But we got a good game between Spain and Italy today. Um, it was actually today, yesterday, yesterday, and it was... Yeah. Sorry. What a weird match, man. <laughs> Ferran Torres, baby. I've been singing him his praises since episode zero. I'm going to keep doing it. I hammered the Italy money line. I thought there was no way Italy was losing this. 37 yeah, I think I wrote 27 on the notes. It's actually 37 straight games without losing. I mean, they had their whole defense. Benucci gets a red card. and Ferran Torres scores a brace. And, you know, Spain had all the odds stacked up against them, too. I mean, their injury list, Tiago, Pedri, Alvaro Morata, Dani Olmo, Diego Lorente, Jordi Alba. And they still go in and just get a 2-0 lead over Mancini in Italy, like one of the most technical, conservative sides in world football it made no sense aaron torres baby yeah quick complain you don't you don't need no striker he's not scoring goals for spain right i i just need him starting every week for city here on out by the way games on espn plus and espn 2 tonight let's go united states jamaica Um, 30 p.m starts now sick uh I'll watch that the minute we're done here. And Mitch, maybe you can hear me yelling at the TV from the other side of the town. Probably. 
other game, this one actually happened today. <laughs> uh, it was France and Belgium. Uh, tale of two halves. Josh, you got it in the notes, and that's really what it came down to. 2-0, commanding lead for Belgium. Looked like they were cruising on through. Um, Mbappe goal, Mbappe penalty goal, Benzema goal, and then uh, Teo Hernandez in the 90th minute, and 3-2 to France. Crazy, because Lukaku thought he won it. Uh, got yep. overturned by VAR, and then Hernandez scores shortly after. Just a cracking game of football. It wouldn't, I wouldn't have been surprised if France lost, because they... I don't know. They seem to lose in games where they're expected to win. I mean, they lost to Portugal in the final of the first nations league. Uh, so I wouldn't have been that surprised to see him go out to Belgium. Who's I believe still the number one ranked team. Um, yeah, but FIFA doesn't make FIFA. any sense with those weird. Rankings. Well, that's true. Coefficients and whatnot. Right. Uh, but Spain and France in the final Spain's injury list is still the same. So they're still missing a ton of players. This one's happening on Sunday afternoon. Who do you guys have to win? Uh, Spain. I'm back in Spain. I think they sneak it. It'd be a huge win for them in their first international trophy since the World Cup. Uh, Uh, Is their injury list going to be shorter? Probably not. If if they get a couple of pieces back, I could see them – before Being Sunday, nah, not. I, I don't think there anybody's coming back from injury before Sunday. Uh, I'm gonna take France in this one. Spain, and then the tiebreaker. I came prepared. Hey, <laughs> France! You, only listening at home. He just picked up a France a little France scarf. Video is coming soon. Pat, yeah. too bad you little don't have that France jersey still. Oh, you could have supported the boys. Uh, I have France all the way. I think they're going to uh, not batter Spain, but I, I think they'll win in regular time. Yeah, I, th- I think it'll be a close game. 3-2, three, 3-1, three, probably a similar similar result that both sides have experienced in the last couple of days. They should give a little bit more oomph to winning the Nations League, though. Like, the winner of the Nations League should get a, a bye to the knockout round of the World Cup. Make it a little interesting some sort of incentive instead of just a dinner plate yes exactly nice. instead of a, a nothing trophy it's like it's like plates. it's the fa cup of world football but hey, i will say it matters the Concacaf nations league tip your cap because that's the best competition of them all because the u.s yes let's go america all right, guys. So that was Nations League. Uh, you guys ready to hop on a plane and go around the world? <laughs> See what I did there? Get, get your passports ready. Uh, Josh, what do you got for us? What are you watching? Uh, what, what are the folks uh, – should, what should they be paying attention to here? Jesus, that was so, tough. So <laughs> t- 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 today, Junior. So I have two matches. First one, Conmebol World Cup qualifying. Argentina, Uruguay, Messi versus Suarez. This one's just loaded with talent. Uh, I have Argentina winning because I think they're trying to catch up to Brazil, uh, who is in first place. Brazil is undefeated. Argentina has, I believe, six points less than Brazil right now. Uh, I have them over Uruguay, but I think that's going to be a mad match, and it's that's South American football like as it gets. I love uh, South American World Cup qualifying on a side note. The combo ball, they fucking kill each other. That's, they're always good games. It's psychotic. 
And then outside of international football, um, MLS, Minnesota United, Colorado Rapids this weekend, huge game for uh, the Loons and Adrian Heath because they just keep dropping points when we could be clinching a playoff spot. Damn. Um, and the Revs just secured first in the East last week, dude. Hey, I will say that they just announced this week that next year's All-Star game will be in St. Paul. So maybe this will be the venue for the first ever uh, main stand live show. Yo, let's <laughs> do it. Yo, let's go. Call like Minnesota. Um, uh, so yeah, that's, that's Josh. Uh, my around the world, I think is a little weirder uh it's turkey norway oh wow norway are without holland but they're in really really good form and turkey are dog shit i'm interested to see if they can if ha norway can do it without the goal scoring robot that is erling holland and maybe turkey can sneak a result i don't know i just i looked at this fixture on my thought mob app and i said I'm watching you, and I'm not sure why, but something piqued my interest. Are these so qualifying matches? I'm pretty sure, yeah. I think it's World Cup. It's like Group G. Okay. Is that what you have, Pat? Yes. Is that all you got? Yeah, I, just I got. Me. I got two. First one, I got the FA Women's Super League. Let's go. We got a, we got a Manchester Derby. United versus City. For the ladies, throw it on 8:30 a.m. on Saturday. Come on, city! Come um, on, city! We have talked a little bit about the women, but uh, there are some cracking players on the city side. So uh, I'm gonna take the city women over United. Me too. Uh, and then outside of that, I thought you know what better going around the world than going to fake countries like Qatar. Uh, We got Portugal, Qatar (laughs) playing an international friendly that is being televised on ESPN+. That's dicey and screams draw that's paid for by somebody. Yep. Qatar, Qatar has a 10 goals against And so if, they're, they're they're bad. They're what you're bad. telling me is they're so good. They scored <laughs> a lot of goals in the Gold Cup, or yeah, no. Well, they played they played they played this fixture at the beginning of September in an international friendly, and Portugal won three to one. But I mean, I just think it's a funny matchup for Portugal to be playing Qatar in a friendly when there's World Cup qualifying going on. Like, shouldn't there be more important things to be doing? Nothing is more important than playing the next World Cup hosts in a friendly. Nothing. Not a thing. You made up city, you. I also, before we end the show, I want to give a quick shout out. You know, no free ads on here, but Mitch did bring up women's soccer. So I want to give these guys a shout out. Uh, there's a, a group that's making a USL women's team out here in Minnesota uh, in the cities and they're actually crowdfunding it. So you can go out and buy ownership in the team. They have hundred dollar, $500 thousand, I think $5,000 ownership levels uh, all with different kind of incentives, scarves and whatnot votes on the board. 
Uh, they've already raised six hundred and fifty thousand dollars, so uh, that's something to look out for if you're interested in owning a sports team. Uh, go look for them. You know, support a local team and women's soccer uh, making some noise out here in Minneapolis. Huge, huge, huge. We John, love to see the game grow. We should we should buy a main stand stock in in the new yeah. Area. We we should honestly to yeah. say we're sports team owners as well. Yes, we own a club. Yo, before we sign off, uh, Serginio Dest is back in the 11 tonight. Let's go. This won't matter because it's coming out. This episode's coming out tomorrow. I just want everyone to know how excited I am. I also want people to know that for once we got ahead of the news cycle. We did Newcastle the day it came out. Instead of releasing this episode, we seem to always get bombarded by news on Friday. The Newcastle yep. news came out Thursday morning and we got the episode in ahead of the news cycle. So Friday, it's still hot off the press and relevant. Let's yeah. go. We're figuring this out one episode at a time. It only took us nine tech eight slash nine to get there. Boys. We've been and it was still this. by full coincidence. But. We've been doing this for more than two months now. Holy shit. Look at us go. We're just the best. Can you can you believe we're gonna be on our tenth episode next week, guys? Are we gonna throw an any party? Maybe we might have um, to. All right, I think like everybody's been listening to us ramble for long enough. Oh uh, uh, yeah, let's do the fun. But that's what they come here for. Here, that's true. That's true. Look, um, look for videos and guests here coming soon. Yep, I think we got a couple of guests in the pipeline. Yeah. Um and we might help you win some money. Yes, that's true. That's true. So. France money line. I don't know what it is, but hit it. Plenty. Bang that line. We got we got a lot of stuff in the works for you guys. So I uh, appreciate you tuning in. Uh, it's hopefully only going to get better. Maybe. I think that's how it's supposed to work, right? You're supposed to get better at this as you do it. Eventually. Yeah. So appreciate everybody uh, for tuning in. Thanks for getting this far into the episode. As always, uh, like the thing, subscribe to the thing, share it with a friend, post it on your Instagram story. Uh, Definitely send us questions on Instagram um, at the Interact main stand. Yeah. Comment on our stuff, like our stuff. Uh, you can tweet at me at patio underscore. I'll gladly argue with literally anyone about anything football or not. And we will see you next week. Deuces. See ya.